0: and we are going quantum today talking about quantum mind power and this is a technology really that is all about brainwave entrainment and the benefits are incredible really it is like meditation on steroids mori zelkovich is here with us today and he Is an engineer of these pulsed sounds. He's used them in his own life as he began to research this entire subject and this field. And he found that it actually literally was something that he used to actually change his life. Maury, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Quantum Conversations.
1: I appreciate you having me, Lauren, and everybody out there, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to share some of my experience.
0: We are really honored to have you here. This work has been out there on our planet for 30 years or so, and it really begins with your story. This is something that you recognized in your life as having tremendous effect, and now it is absolutely having a beautiful effect on so many lives of people out there tell us your story please this was something that you found to be really a relief from something that was troubling you as a as a younger boy and a, a man a young adult
1: well actually for as long as i've been consciously aware i've had problems i I wouldn't say I was clinically depressed. Well, I would say I was clinically depressed. I wasn't diagnosed as being clinically depressed. But I used to wake up every single morning, just to give you an idea of where I was at intellectually and emotionally, I used to wake up every single morning, I'd stand up on my bed, I'd draw my curtains, I'd look out the window with my fingers crossed, hoping I would see mushroom clouds. Oh. So I wasn't afraid to see mushroom clouds. I was hoping I was seeing them. My depression was so deep and so dark that it wasn't enough for me to imagine myself out of existence. I wanted to imagine all of mankind out of existence, all of the world, all of the planet, everything, every life form, trees, you know, algae, uh, human beings, animals, insects, plant life, everything gone. Uh I just couldn't deal with anything. I had thousands and thousands of voices in my head. Uh, it wasn't like you see in the Hollywood movies where the, you know, there's an angel on your left side and a devil on the right side trying to tell you to do good things or bad things. This was kind of like if you were in a large group of people and they were all talking at the same time. And sometimes you could pick out a word here and there, but most of the time it was just a loud din of conversation. And the volume my voice is at now was the volume that I heard all these voices at every waking minute of my life till I was about i don't know maybe my mid to late thirties early forties. Wow, and yeah it it was something else for sure. I didn't really have any reason for it though it was kind of weird you know i uh my parents are loving and wonderful, I somehow managed to have friends. I'm not quite sure how I managed <laughs> to do that, but I did uh you know, we weren't rich by any stretch, but we certainly, you know, had food on the table and a roof over my head. So there was really no reason for this. And my depression made me quite injury prone. I went out of my way to do things. I played goal in hockey and, and I would jump and bounce and roll down hills and anything I could do. Later on in life, I realized I was trying to hurt myself. And then there were a number of times where I tried to end my life as well. But the interesting thing about that is, uh, at least five that I can remember. That The interesting thing, though, is that if you really want to end your life, it's not that hard to do. So if you're not doing it, there must be a stronger force at play. My desire to live Mm. was probably stronger than my desire not to live. And when I realized that I couldn't die, I couldn't kill myself, then I had to find a way to live. Because I couldn't find a way to die. I had to find a way to live. And that started me looking at all these different methodologies and everything I could find. Now, keep in mind, I was still pretty young when all this started. So, like, when my awareness kind of changed a little bit. And there was no such thing as the Internet then. There were cars and indoor plumbing, but no Internet. (laughs) And it was... Not as easy to find things as it is today. Not mm-hmm. as easy to hear others' opinions or experiences or, or get a hold of their technologies or their concepts.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I did what I could do. I found all kinds of different products and services. And I tried things like hypnosis. I tried uh, guided meditations. I tried prayer. I tried this. I tried that. I pretty much tried everything under the sun. As the <clears throat> Internet started to form itself, I tried many products, which I won't get into names, of, of other people that were also brainwave-oriented, uh, however, did not help me. But even other methodologies, tapping and, and neural feedback and, you know, uh, neurolinguistic programming, I tried everything under the sun, and nothing helped me. Absolutely nothing. But when I came across brainwave entrainment, it kind of struck me as something might have been there. It, it almost felt like this was my answer. Because, again, I had nothing wrong, really, in my life. I mean, yeah, I got hurt a lot, but that was from my depression. You know, the, the important things. Emotionally, I didn't really have a reason to feel the way I felt. So mm-hmm. I kind of had this instinctive feeling like brainwave entrainment might be the trick. Maybe I've got a problem chemically in my brain. And that is what's causing. Because, remember, I'm doing research this whole time now, mm-hmm. uh, trying to understand what's going on with me and what I might be able to do to stop it or change it. When I kind of made up my mind that chemistry was my problem, I really moved into the realm of self-improvement because I made the discovery that our thoughts create brainwave activity. And this brainwave activity I learned actually creates neural chemistry. So if you have a thought where you're thinking to yourself, you know, something just happened and you're disgusted by it and it really repulses you, you've actually made a decision to feel that way, your brain then creates neural chemistry which allows you to support that assertion or that conclusion and you feel repulsion. If you see somebody you find very attractive and you're aroused by them, then that's because you made a decision to be aroused and your brain created neural chemistry which allowed you to feel aroused. The same thing goes for love, for hate, for you know, anything, really, everything you feel, everything you think you feel is really a decision you made. And then your brain creates chemistry that allows you to experience what you've decided to feel. Now, we don't actually realize this is how it works, but this is indeed the dynamic of how your brain works. We have maybe thousands of thought processes in a nanosecond, you know, snap of a finger that all happen, a series of decisions that all happen that we don't realize we've made. But that's how we make our decisions. That's how we feel and why we feel what we feel. When I realized that, I thought, okay, maybe what I need to do, because there are a lot of guru, you know, gurus out there, they were called gurus anyway, I don't think they called themselves gurus, but other people call them gurus, uh, who had all these great ways to live and, and all, all these great ideas of how to change thinking patterns, et cetera, et cetera. So I read all of their books, at least all of the ones that I was able to discover or learn about. And it actually made me worse, because while I'm reading, I'm getting all excited, and I'm feeling better, because I'm feeling hopeful. And then as soon as the book is finished, I'm crashing, kind of like someone who maybe has had 15 cups of coffee, and they're really pumped up, they're really alert, they're really energized, and then it's the crash that comes afterwards. And that's what kept happening. So it was a It was a cycle. It was up and down and up and down and up and down. And often up and down, you know, uh, hopefulness and helplessness are not a good combination to have up and down. It just makes you even more depressed. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: no matter how much I tried, I tried to follow their belief systems. I tried to practice affirmations. I tried to practice all the different techniques that I was being taught to help me to change the way I think. But nothing worked, you know it's very difficult to accept someone else's ideas when there's no way in the world they could possibly understand how you feel. None of these people, even the, the, you know, the brilliant geniuses who wrote all these wonderful pieces or friends, anyone who cared could understand what it's like to look out your window and want the world gone, including yourself,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: to, to, to conceive of seeing a mushroom cloud and feeling a great sense of relief because you know it's going to be over any second. I had one experience in my life that really, you know, framed that. I was on my way to a job interview because I had been fired from my previous job, and it was the middle of winter, and I'm driving my car uh, to the, you know, meeting, to the interview, and as I'm driving to the interview, my car is white, it's snowing, there's snowdrifts everywhere, and a tractor trailer pulled in front of me, like cut me off, didn't see me there. And I hit my brakes and my car angled a bit and I was sliding at about 30, 40 kilometers an hour. That would be around 25 miles an hour, uh, right into his gas tank. Mm. And I thought for sure, you know, I've seen enough TV shows. I've seen enough movies. <clears throat> I figured that's it. When I realized I was going to hit the gas tank head on. And when I realized I was going to be dead in any, in a few seconds, uh, I have never felt so at peace in my entire life
2: mm.
1: since then before then. Never never have I felt so at peace uh, because I figured, okay, finally it's over. I don't have to worry. There's nothing to worry about anymore. Mm-hmm. And I felt so relieved. And then of course nothing happened. I didn't even get hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's wonderful of course, but I was even saddened by that. So I couldn't change mm-hmm. my thinking no matter what happened. I'm trying to change my thinking. Nothing is working. None of these exercises, none of these brilliant philosophies or lessons are getting through to me. And I formulated that the reason for this was I have such a base of negative thought and negative emotion that I am creating that sense in myself. Remember I said before that the way we think and our thoughts create chemistry. Well, Mm -hmm. that's exactly what happens. And then that chemistry allows you to feel what you've decided to feel. So I decided to feel helpless and hopeless and angry and upset and depressed. So I felt that way. And, No matter what any of these other philosophies tried to do for me, the programming was so strong that the chemical reaction from my negative thinking couldn't be overwhelmed or overcome by any of these other techniques. Nothing helped. And I got even more depressed. And in the midst of that serious depression, I had my massive breakthrough that I can't believe I had, but I did. And it was amazing that if I can't change my thinking to change my chemistry, If I changed my chemistry, would that change my thinking? Because remember, the negative thought creates the negative chemistry. The negative chemistry creates more negative thoughts. So I thought naturally, defeat the negative thoughts, it's going to kill the chemistry or the bad chemistry. Well, I couldn't do anything about the thoughts. I tried for years and years and years, and it just got worse and worse and worse. Then it hit me, if I change the chemistry, would the thoughts then change Because if the chemistry is different, it made sense to me that the thoughts should be also. Because right now, my negative thoughts, creating negative chemistry, more negative thoughts. If better chemistry was there, would I have better thoughts? So that started me looking at ways to change my chemistry. And I started doing intense amounts of alcohol and drugs. Because those were the closest things I could find that could alter my chemistry, my brain chemistry. And those allowed me to have moments at a time where I felt okay, but for the most part, it was just a, a feeble attempt and a mask, and it did nothing in the long run, uh, more than a few seconds. I was a sex addict for years, a drug addict for years. I did coke. I did, uh, uh, you know, marijuana a lot, a lot of alcohol, and none of it actually helped, but it dulled me and it deadened me inside, so at least to some degree, I was able to get a little bit of relief, but it, I still felt like I was rotting from the inside out. That's when I came across brainwave entrainment, which had the ability, because I've been doing research this whole time, I'm not giving up despite my depression, and I'm thinking to myself, well, wait a minute, here's a way that despite what I believe, despite what I think, it supposedly has the ability to change your brain chemistry. So I got all excited because I thought, okay, I can't change my thighs, let's change the chemistry. So I started doing brainwave entrainment, and I tried all the groups that are out there currently and the ones that used to be out there, and nobody was able to help me. I got even more depressed because I thought I finally found my answer, and nothing, absolutely nothing happened. Then it struck me. Before I went into a serious depression again, it struck me, what if they're not doing it right for me? My thought originally was what if they're just not doing it correctly at all? They had, they're missing something. They've got the right idea. They're part way there. They're just not all the way there. So I started researching like crazy and I ended up meeting the world's leading researcher for over 40 years. His name's David Siever. And, uh, I got trained by him and I used the knowledge that I got from him and the wisdom and the brilliance. And I combined it with my own insights from suffering all those years. Because, you know, mm-hmm. if you use your suffering well. If you learn from it, then it's not suffering anymore. Then it's a wonderful education. And that's what I did. I got a wonderful education from it that I could then adapt and apply to the new knowledge I had about brainwave entrainment. And I created what is today called the Mori Method, which is my unique way of using brain tones, brainwave entrainment, to subtly alter neural chemistry and belief systems. And it literally turned me around. I went from being maybe tied for the most depressing, depressed, annoying, angry person in the world to some, I'm not going to say I'm the happiest person in the world, but I would say that I'm tied for the happiest people in the world. Mm. And it's all because of this technology. It totally turned me around and don't get me wrong. I've had challenges since I've been turning around and everything, and I still continue to have challenges. I'm a human being. That's our experience. We will always have challenges, but I smile and I laugh and I enjoy life and I have my business now to share this technology and this knowledge with others so that they can either dig themselves out of the holes they're in or keep themselves from going into any holes. And that's my history and that's what I'm about and that's why I'm about.
0: And it's just so beautiful. It's another case in point that your greatest wound is your greatest gift and what a journey you've been on we do honor you for stepping up and cherishing that and studying it and and getting trained in it and adding it to the world really helping people bust through a ton of belief systems right just by um, changing the state of your brain this has even been uh acclaimed to assist with alzheimers and a lot of mm-hmm. things you read off a, a list earlier about a a lot of things and it really is powerful really clear focused uh concentration intuition lots of this um the benefits from this so let's talk a little bit about how it works because These are pulsed tones, and we know, you know, some may be familiar with binaural beats, but this is actually like the opposite of that. So explain a little bit about what brainwave entrainment is.
1: Sure. Okay, so brainwave entrainment is very simply the act of your neurons, which are your brain cells, acting and reacting based on a stimulus that they're exposed to. So... We have natural states, which I'm sure many of you are aware of, things like alpha and theta and delta and gamma and beta. Now, those aren't in the actual order they occur in. They're just, you know, the different states that we'd all probably be aware of. And what these states really are are definitions or defining different rates that your neurons are firing at. So if your neurons are firing off electric pulses at 10 10 pulses per second, that would be known as an alpha frequency. 10 hertz is an alpha frequency. Let's say it was pulsing at 7 hertz. That would be seven times a second. That would be in the theta range. Delta might be three or lower. Uh, Beta might be 12 to, say, 24, or 25, maybe even up to 28. Higher than that would be gamma. Now, your brain has certain ranges of frequencies that it will act and react upon. So, what we do is we take advantage of something called the frequency following response, which is a natural response within your brain. Every human brain has it, you know, with the exception of some that might have certain damage, certain physiological damage to it. But in most cases, I would say 99 out of 100 anyway, we would all react with the frequency following response. So, what that means is that if your brain is exposed to a constant and stable frequency, So a pulse rate, bop, 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 long enough, then your neurons will pull a monkey see, monkey do. They'll start doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. For those of you that are having a hard time wrapping your head around this, think of the last time you were out somewhere and you were listening to your favorite song. And you suddenly noticed your head was bopping to the music. Or your hands were tapping, or, or or your feet were stomping up and down to the music. That is you in training to the music. Okay, mm-hmm. you're unaware of the physiological reaction that you're tapping your fingers or you're tapping your feet, but you are. This is the same idea. Your neurons just naturally through again this process called the frequency following response. If that response, if the frequency range is within the normal operating range of your brain, then your brain, a, a mass of the neurons we'll start following that frequency. Now, the interesting thing, and this goes back to what I was saying before in my how I got creative, is that when you're exposed to the different sounds, these pulse tones actually will create different chemistry depending on the frequencies you're exposed to. So that's how I was able to actually change my brain by changing my brain's frequencies, not by how I thought, But by exposing me to these wonderful tones that then naturally changed my frequencies, which then naturally changes my neural chemistry. And then people who go, oh, this is just how I am. I'm a miserable person. I'm depressed. I'm sad. I'm this. I'm that. Will suddenly realize that they're actually not that way at all. Because... The frequency following response allows them to get into what's a natural state. A lot of people think it's a supernatural state, but it's not. It's actually back into a natural state. And this natural state feels good. You know, that's one of the beautiful things about the human body and the human mind is that when your body feels pain, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's telling you there's something amiss. You need to do something about it. If you are psychologically in pain, it's the same thing. It's not something to be mad at or angry about or to ignore. It's something you need to pay attention to because if you do, you can deal with it and it stops worse things from happening. That's why we feel anxious. That's why we feel upset. That's why we feel angry. That's why we feel pain. I call it the red light on the dashboard of your life. If you drive your car and the red light comes on for the check engine and you take a piece of electrical tape and you cover it up so you don't see it or pay attention to it, eventually your engine's going to seize and it's going to cost you thousands of dollars or maybe kill your car entirely. However, if on the other hand you see the check engine light and you drive off to your, you know, service provider and they fix your car up, then your car runs beautifully and smoothly. And it's mm-hmm. the same thing with your life. You cannot ignore these disruptions. This this dis-ease is not a bad thing. It's there to tell you, don't ignore it. You, you feel something out of, out of whack, examine it and figure out what it is. There's a message there for you. You know, the universe loves you. You love yourself internally. And these are not, these messages of pain are only there and discomfort are only there because human beings, we're not the smartest, we're not as smart as we'd like to think we are. We need to be really jabbed before we listen to anyone else, to anything else. And this is how we respond. When we feel bad enough, that's when we go to the doctor. You know, when we, when we feel hungry enough, that's when we eat. I mean, we do everything based on a reaction mode as opposed to a observation mode. And when we start observing our condition, our physical condition, our, you know, psychic condition, our, psychological condition, we can recognize anomalies long before they become anything serious. Mm. By that same token, there are going to be times when we don't notice these things, but we can reverse engineer ourselves back into that state again by simply reintroducing normalcy. And normalcy is a stability. You know, a lot of people think that what I do, as I mentioned a few seconds ago, might be in a, along a supernatural Uh, state because it takes you and it's using science to manipulate your brain waves and get you to be more efficient and more effective and faster and stronger and smarter and all these things. But in reality, all this technology does is it brings you back to normal. The way Mm -hmm. we live now isn't how we're intended to live. We're not supposed to be intended to live in a constant state of stress and worry.
0: Right. And there's a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Oh,
1: that's all we do. And and this is how we we live. And we think it's, Yeah, and we think it's a benefit. We think it's a great thing to brag about if we've been up two days in a row working on a project. Like this is bragging rights, but actually you're killing yourself. You're not doing anything good. You know, our society has some really strange ideas as to what's good and what's bad, and people need to start paying attention to what their bodies and their minds are telling them as opposed to what marketing and, you know, maybe their bosses are telling them because we have all the answers. We just need to listen for
0: them. We need to listen for them. And this is – so the the participants in our community here are definitely on this path and realizing the power of meditation. This actually takes it so much further, and there's science to back this up. I love how you said we're reverse engineering ourselves back to this state, and we're doing it with normalcy. This is our normal state, and so – As someone listens to these tones, not only will this change the chemistry of the brain, this does it help with physical pain? Definitely it helps with depression based on your own life. This helps us tune in, tap into intuition even stronger. Um, Some would say we need to really be in our heart, that we need to be in a heart-centeredness. This is actually opening the mind up to the heart.
1: You know what, you know what the thing is? We have such a, I don't know why we do this, but we are so into separating everything. Mm -hmm. Our heart. Right. Our mind. Our brain. Our this, our that. I don't know about you, but the last time I looked in the mirror, everything was connected. It is. So I don't understand why everyone goes, Oh, it's the heart. The heart's the important thing. Oh, no, it's the brain. The brain's the important thing. This is, you know what? They're all important. The cell that makes up your nail in your right pinky is just as important as the cell that is in your heart, that is in your brain, that is in your lungs, that is in here, that is in there. All these things are important, and I don't understand why people feel the need to separate things. Oh, your heart is more important than your brain. That's a load of crap. Without the brain, the whole body falls apart and dies. Hey, guess what? Without the heart, the whole body falls apart and dies too. <laughs> you know what? Without this, we, we have these problems and those problems. Everything is important. Nothing is more important than anything else. And you know what else? No person is more important than anyone else either. Every single person that's here, I believe, is part of a greater being. So we're, you and I are talking to people right now and to each other, but in reality, we're all part of the same organism we're just so small that we don't see we're connected. I remember seeing a a video. It was a movie in the science center in a city where I grew up when I was, I don't know, maybe 12 years old or something. And it stuck with me forever. It was a movie showing a woman in a nice sundress, sitting in a field of daisies, reading poetry. And she's just sitting, leaning back on one arm and holding the book in the other. And the camera pans out slowly. And you start seeing her as a speck in the field. And then you start seeing it. You know how you see land in, uh, from an airplane? It looks like puzzle pieces all side by side. And then farther back and farther back. And then they're in space and you see the earth. And then the earth becomes a speck. And then the Milky Way becomes a speck. And then all of a sudden, everything starts zooming in really fast. So you see the Milky Way and then you see the earth. And then it goes right up to her again. But this time it doesn't stop on her. It goes right into her hand. So first, we're going macro. Now we're going micro. So we're going very, very big and then very, very small. You go so small into her hand that you're actually standing right beside a cell in her hand. And you can't see another cell beside it. If we could get ourselves small enough, you would not be able to see the next cell beside the other cell in your hand, in your heart, in your lungs, in your body, anywhere. So that lesson taught me one thing. As a human being, I'm in my office speaking with you, and I feel like I'm alone in this room. But in reality, I'm just another cell that from its perspective is separate and alone. But if we could pull ourselves far enough back, we would realize that we're actually all part of the same organism. We're all part of the same being and it's incumbent on all of us to start understanding that because when we do, we stop hurting other people because when you hurt other people, you realize you're actually hurting yourself.
0: Yes. It's the true definition of all one. We are all one Mm -hmm. and it's going to be beautiful as more and more people recognize that. Absolutely. So this these tones, these pulsing tones, all right, we were talking about how if it's changing the chemistry of the brain, how empowering, because so many times it's limiting beliefs that really hold all of us back. You had it at Mm -hmm. a super pronounced way to the point where it was just creating really dark thoughts for you and taking you into a deep depression. But here, anybody no matter where they are or what they're doing, can benefit from this, from a number of uh, health aspects to taking their business and supercharging it. And my goodness, mm-hmm. right now with the world, with what's going on in this big shakeup, and mm-hmm. things just look really incredible or, um, you know, mind-blowing at times, We understand that we take a responsibility in our lives, and so we can use these pulse tones to get ourselves in a state that will allow us to come up with great solutions. How can we use, what's it like when we use um, these recordings? You've got programs that are actually designed for different aspects, but they're involving these pulse tones. and. So, for example, if we wanted to work on our business or bring new Mm -hmm. ideas and solutions, how would we work with your tools to achieve that?
1: Okay. I have, you know, I'm kind of, I'm holistic. I, I would call myself more functionally holistic. What I do is I incorporate not just the brain tones, but also I have. In some of my recordings, I have guided meditation and guided hypnosis aspects as well. I have subliminal aspects. I have a technology that I offer that's called triliminal, where you actually hear me along with specially designed brainwave tones and a background uh, noise. I incorporate my voice in the right ear speaking to the left hemisphere of your brain, in the left ear speaking to the right hemisphere of your brain, and then another voice that Mm -hmm. floats in the middle of your head, speaking to both hemispheres, and at times they overlap and they go back and forth. It's about reprogramming what I call the negative reflexive thought process, because that's what it is. If you're having a problem with business or having a problem coping with your health or whatever, it's because you have belief systems, as you mentioned, that are non-serving. Now, the good news is you accepted those and made them part of you which means you have the ability to change all of that because it's simply a decision you made. Once you make a different decision, then you get different results. And I know it seems like I'm being rather simplistic, but as I was mentioning about my depression, I didn't make any effort to lose my depression. Once I stopped trying to lose the depression, once I just worked to change my brainwaves, my thoughts naturally changed. I didn't have to make any efforts. I believe that on some level, every single person has exactly the solution that they need already. They already have it, and it's just a matter of allowing them to have access to it. So my product is a tool more than anything else, and all of my recordings are tools more than anything else. You mentioned that uh, they can help you with being creative and figuring out ideas and answering problems, uh, coming up with answers for problems. I recently had two new technologies that I was so close to having perfected, but I couldn't figure out the answer. So what I did was I actually ran, I call it running a session when I listen to the recordings. So I literally ran a session and as I was lying down, putting the headphones on after I hit play, I gave the recording as an intention that the answer which is already within me, would come to me on the Mm. surface, to my conscious awareness. Mm -hmm. And both times it came just from having as an intention while listening. You know, your brain and your mind, because they're really this, your brain is the physical manifestation. It's kind of like the housing. Your mind might be considered, some people might call it a soul. They might call it energy. They might call it the spirit. They might call it your personality. It is what makes you you it's electricity, it's current, it's energy. So when you free that, it doesn't have the restrictions of anything that you see in your life. You know, I, I'm sure everyone Mm -hmm. can imagine as a scientist that I am, that I am into sci-fi and I love Star Trek. I've loved Star Trek ever since I was a kid. (laughs) And and in one of the movies, I remember Spock saying, or Kirk, one of the two said, I'd like to think that there's always possibilities. Mm -hmm. And I realized, You know what? That's a great way to put it, because if you believe there's an answer, and let's say you can't think of it. You're having a hard time. I can't come up with the answer. I can't come up with the answer. If you change your thinking from there is no answer to I just don't know what it is right now, then you'll find the answer, because then you'll be open to information you need. A lot of people make the mistake of thinking they're stupid or they don't have the abilities or they're not smart enough. It's wrong. Everybody is smart enough. Everybody has the ability. It's just a matter of whether you cut yourself off or not. The truly successful people in business, for example, aren't successful in business because they're smart. They're successful in business because they intuitively know that on some level, they will come up with whatever answer they need when they need it. And our problem as human beings is we think we need the answer right away. The truth is if we don't get an answer right away, It's not because we're dumb, it's not because we're stupid, and it's not because we're going to fail. It's because we are being impatient. We are gathering information that we need in order to be successful. You need to gather that information before you're successful. Let's go on a relationship aspect. I didn't meet my wife till I was 47 years old. Okay? Before then, a lot of very sweet, lovely, nice women, but not my you know, not for me and I wasn't for them. Mm
2: -hmm. Now,
1: let's say I had met my wife when I was smoking tons of pot and drinking lots of alcohol. I might have been able to go out with her once or twice and then she'd have gotten pissed off at me and left. But I didn't meet her until I had the knowledge, the experience, the wisdom, and the maturity to not destroy the perfect relationship. And for me, this is definitely, I wish everybody to have a relationship with whoever, okay, that I have with my wife. And waiting till I was 47 wasn't because I was a failure or stupid or ignorant or anything else. It was because I needed to be smarter. I needed to be more mature. I needed to learn more. I needed to be a better person so that when I met the right one, I wouldn't ruin the circumstance. So all the people who came before were learning experiences. They were parts and parcels of what I needed to experience to learn what I needed to learn so that when I met the right girl, it would work, right? Mm -hmm. That's what it is. So no one has failures. Everything that's happened in your life that you think is a failure isn't a failure. It's a learning experience. And when you look at it from the perspective of a learning experience, then you actually learn something from it. When you learn something from it, it doesn't repeat itself over and over and over again because the universe loves you. Okay? Do I have a couple of minutes just to tell you a quick little story about my mom and me? Oh, yes, please. We'd love to hear that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So I can't remember how old I was. I was really young. And my mom was cooking lunch or dinner, and she was on the phone. Okay? So she has the phone with the twirly wire, the pigtail wire. Uh, this is a few years ago, for those of you that don't know about that. Look it up on, look up old telephones on Google and you'll I see know what it. I mean. So, right? So she's got this thing, her shoulders, you know, pushing the phone up to her ear. She's stirring a pot on the stove and, you know, I'm nagging her. Mommy, mommy, pay attention to me, pay attention to me, right? So she's busy. I mean, you know, she's doing things. You know, I should be playing with my Tinker Toys or whatever. Okay, you don't know what Tinker Toys is? Go look that up on Google too. But... <laughs> So I'm doing all of this stuff and I'm nagging her. So she's trying to get her work done and trying to say, honey, you know, I love you, but get lost. <laughs> so all of a sudden I noticed this glowing thing on the stovetop. Right. It was the element, right? It was mm-hmm. Exactly. It was glowing. It was glowing like this beautiful pulsing orangey yellow. Oh, it's just fascinating me. So, I naturally shut up for a second, which, of course, set off all my mother's alarms because now if the noise box isn't making noise. Something must be up. <laughs> she saw me reaching out, right? She saw me mm-hmm. reaching out to this thing. And she said, honey, don't do that. With a very loving, soft voice. Right? Honey, don't do that. You'll burn yourself. It's very painful. Don't do that, sweetie. So I, of course, pulled my hand back. Well, as soon as she gets back to cooking and she's on the phone, she's distracted again. I go in for the try number two. So this time, she sees me again, and she goes, honey, don't do that. Now, there's still love in her voice, but it's more intense, right? It's more serious. I'm supposed to listen more. Well, I, of course, recoiled. She gets busy on the phone, busy with her cooking again. I go in a third time. This time, she goes, honey, don't do that. And she's literally (laughs) yelling at me. There's anger in her voice now. But I can still feel the love there, right? I mean, she's not trying to hurt me. She's trying to keep me from being hurt. I didn't, of course, realize that at the time. And then the fourth time, she yells and slaps my hand.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, the fifth time, she didn't catch me, <laughs> okay? I burned the crap out of my hand. And boy, did it hurt. I can even feel a tingling right now just telling the story.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's many years removed from that. Mm-hmm. The moral of the story is, okay, and this is the lesson that once I remembered what had happened, the lesson that I learned from it, because I obviously didn't learn anything at the time. Right? I wasn't listening. I wasn't paying attention. I was just doing what I wanted to do. Screw the universe. Screw my mom. Screw me. Screw everybody. And I just did it, and I caused myself a great deal of pain. So, Mm. moral of the story is very simple. The universe, the loving energy of the world, God, whatever you want to call it, okay? It doesn't matter what you call it. But everything that happens, happens with love. And you just have to pay attention. Look, if I had listened to my mother the very first time, and she said, honey, don't do that. I would have gone. I would have played with my toys, and I never would have burned my hand. But I didn't do that. I kept pushing, and I kept pushing, and I kept ignoring. I ignored when things got more serious and angrier and louder and more scary. I kept ignoring and ignoring. And eventually, I had a horrible injury as a result of it because I wasn't learning the lesson. I wasn't paying attention. That was the lesson that I learned. Pardon me. Once I learned that lesson, every bad thing that happened to me, I stopped defining as bad. And instead, I started trying to pay attention to every little thing. Little things, because remember, honey, don't do that. You'll burn yourself. Is a little thing, right? It's sweet. It's unobtrusive. It's not violent. But the universe or whatever will always get louder and louder and louder to try to stop you from having the worst possible event. Eventually, if you keep ignoring these things, if you keep ignoring the fact that you have this weird pain in your shoulder and, well, I'm not going to go because I'm afraid I don't want to know what it is, and it keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, now all of a sudden maybe you need horrible surgery that's going to cost you $50,000, whereas it could have been a $20 pill or or a $5 exercise, Right. That's the point. The point is nothing that happens is bad. Everything that happens is good. When you take something, quote, unquote, that you previously defined as bad and you define it as something that is to be learned from, because something bad happens when we haven't listened to the earlier messages. So now I'm going to listen. Now I'm going to pay attention. Even when I didn't catch the early signals, I'm going to remember back now and think, oh, you know what? They were there. This is what was happening first. That was what it was happening second before I broke my ankle, before I cracked my rib, before I crashed my car, right? How many times do people get into accidents, but if they think about it, there were five or six close calls that they totally ignored before the accident. The universe, again, trying to warn you, you're not paying enough attention while you're driving, put your phone down, stop texting, blah, blah, blah. You don't listen. Eventually, something very serious is going to happen because you're not listening. I believe that when you listen, things change. When you use these recordings, it allows you to listen because we're brought up to avoid things. We're brought up to be, you know, reticent of pain, to say, oh, stay away from me. I don't want to think about this. I, uh, you know, anything that causes stress or agitation or anxiety, we tend to turn our heads from it because we'd rather not see it. You see a homeless person on the street, you turn your head the other way and pretend you're looking at a car on the road. Okay? We need to become more aware. When we are aware, we will get those messages, and we get the messages. We won't have life difficult anymore. That's been my experience. That's been my experience of tens of thousands of clients of mine as well. You don't understand. You grow up through your life, and you think this is just what life is. God wants me to suffer. So-and-so wants me to suffer. My lot in life is just to have pain. Well, you know what? That's not true. Because think about it. If you feel happy, Lauren, tell me, answer this question. When you feel happy, really, really happy, how does that make you think?
0: Well, you're so confident and flying high, and right. there's not a
1: worry in the world. Wonderful. That's a nice way to put it. Very succinct. I have to learn how to speak that way, by the way. (laughs) So, however, now, when you feel bad, when you feel anxious, when you feel pain, what does that make you think?
0: Worry, lots of worry, and unconfident.
1: Okay, good. Also, very, very good. So, the question I'm going to ask you now is very simple. Which would you rather feel?
0: Not a worry in the world. Absolutely happy. There you go.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. So what does that tell you? What that tells you is, and this is what I talk about with reverse engineering. What this tells you is that your mind and your body feel good when you're doing and thinking all the right things. And when you're doing or thinking the wrong things, you get worry and anxiety and pain and blah, blah, blah. So it's, you're, it's nature's way of telling you you're on the right track or you're on the wrong track. If you're feeling anxious and upset and worried, don't just ignore it or try to deal with it or try to be like, you know, the sweetheart who who deals, you know, Hollywood romanticizes the people who suffer, right? Always. Suffering is something to be romantically praised. That's bull. That's total crap. When you're sad, it's because something is not right and you need to keep changing, your direction, your thoughts, your actions, until you start feeling better. That is your indication that you're doing the right thing when you start feeling better. That's why we feel bad. It's not to make you feel bad. It's not to make you live in a rut. It's not to make you miserable your whole life. It's to say, pay attention to me. I can help you to feel better. And the way I'll tell you you're doing the right thing is I'll start going away when you start doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I, I don't mean to. No. Well, beautiful. no, that's beautiful. And I, I love front. it because it, it,
0: <laughs> it really is reverse engineering yourself back to normalcy. So, okay, I want to, before we talk about the program that you've got that actually assists in many different levels, you've received a lot of accolades. You know, you've had tens of thousands of people using this. What are some of your favorite success stories that you've heard or things that pop out that are just remarkable?
1: Well, I, I recall, well, first of all, you know, the two studies that were done independently, I'm very proud of those. I'm very proud of Dr. Dale Bredesen and his book, The End of Alzheimer's, who uses one of my recordings in his recode protocol. By the way, if there's anyone out there who is suffering from early onset or any form of Alzheimer's or has family I strongly suggest you take a look at his book, The End of Alzheimer's. Uh, okay. He is in the process of publishing 50 more cases now of people with Alzheimer's who have been reversing their symptoms. Excellent. Okay. And m- many in the medical community will tell you that's impossible. But yeah, I'm telling you it's that. not impossible. Yeah. Well, you know what? Or, that's only because we do Is it don't... through
0: these, these pulse tones?
1: One of my recordings is being used as part of his treatment protocol, Yes. Wow. But it's not exclusively my recordings, okay? But one of my recordings is part of that, and that goes to credibility, I think. It shows you that this isn't just woo science. It's not snake oil. It's for real. But when it comes down to actual customers and clients, I have to tell you one of my favorite ones came from someone in the U.K. who has a 26 – at the time of the writing, at least, it was a 26-year-old – I think it was a 26-year-old – autism uh sufferer Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and they wrote me saying that they actually have a situation where after using my recordings they spent money like crazy trying to help them like absolutely just trying to help them and to no avail and then they thought what the heck they heard about actually this program we're talking about today quantum mind power and they Basically tried him on it, and after just a few weeks, he was able to hold conversations with his brother, younger brother. He never was able to have a conversation with his brother. He actually would go up to his dad, and this kind of makes me cry a little bit when I talk about it because it's so cool. Uh, Actually went up to his dad and said, Daddy, can you read me this book? And he's never done that before. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I have senior citizens who tell me about, <clears throat> pardon me, about how their memories have improved drastically. You know, they, they were told as children, as you get older, your brain starts going and you start declining cognitively and they now find words that they could never find before. They are able to remember things that they thought were lost forever. Uh, you know, there's, there's literally hundreds and hundreds of testimonials. I'm not going to read any of them, but. You know, they can be found if people want to look for them. But it's just the beautiful thing about entrainment is this, okay? When it's done properly, it's quite simply that I am not important in this equation. I am not a guru. I am simply a self-trained scientist who understands to a degree the workings of the human mind, the human brain, and neurochemistry. And when you have an understanding of the dynamic of how all of this works, you can create a tool that allows others to help themselves. Remember I told you earlier that when I was struggling to help myself and to find things to help me, nothing helped me. I tried this guy stuff, this girl stuff, this guy and this woman and this, and this product and this technology and this drug and this, this and this, that, and nothing helped me. And I realized that's because I need to help myself. And true growth, true evolution, true progress can only happen when you take responsibility for yourself and you take credit for yourself too, because, you know, my recordings are powerful. I'll I'll admit that and I'll, and I have no problem saying that, but I'll also tell you they do absolutely nothing if you don't use them Mm
2: -hmm. and if you
1: don't use them properly. So the minute someone decides to read a book and then, Practice what the book is preaching. The minute someone decides to buy a product and use it properly and responsibly, the minute someone decides to change their diet and and get rid of, like, tons of processed sugars and and grains and, and, you know, things like that, and they start feeling better and they feel more energetic and they feel happier and they're more successful and their businesses do better and they get more compliments at work and they make less mistakes, that's their doing. It's not mine. It's not the person who wrote the book. It's not the person who created the tool or the program. It's them because these tools and these books are completely useless unto themselves. They only provide a purpose and a service when the person uses them properly because what they're really doing is they're helping the individual to access what they've always had in the first place, but they may not realize it, so they don't see it. And when they don't see it, they don't use it. We've been brought up in a culture where we're taught guru, guru, guru. Study at the foot of a guru because they will teach you, you know what? You can only be a guru to yourself. It doesn't matter who you are. The biggest names in self-improvement, okay, can only be a guru for themselves. They can only have an understanding based on their life, their experience. So I could follow Tony Robbins' blueprint of success if he were to write it out. Here, guys, this is everything I did. Step one to step a million to become wealthy and wise and happy and all these wonderful things. The truth is none of it would work for me or you or anybody else because we are not Tony Robbins. We do not have his childhood. We didn't have his parents. We don't have his experience or his, you know, intuition. We don't have any aspect of him. He can only be an inspiration to us. So when we listen to other people speak, and that includes anyone hearing my voice, by the way, you can only take in, what I have to say, if you're inspired by it, reinterpret it within your own experience. And then if you decide to act, act on your interpretation. That's how you will have success. That's why if you haven't had success so far, why you likely haven't had sex so far. (laughs) Sorry, had sex (laughs) sex so far. (laughs) Nice (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was just going to
2: say that. (laughs)
1: That's why you haven't had success so far, because you've been putting yourself into a situation where you think you're not good enough and you need to follow the path of someone else to be good enough. You are your own unique importance to the world, to the universe, to all of us, dynamic organism. And when you understand that and when you get inspired and then only act on your own interpretations and, and impressions and definitions of what other people are saying or teaching, that's when you will have success with them. That is the beauty and the success behind everything I do, because I don't do anything based on me knowing a thing about what's right for you. I don't have a clue what's right for you. I don't know how to help you. All I know how to do is to optimize your brain so that it can allow you to help yourself. Mm-hmm. When people think, when they go, oh, I thank God for you, More, blah, 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 blah. I go, thank yourself. If you want to be grateful that I created a tool, that's nice. But when was the last time someone was grateful for the person who invented the saw or the hammer or the nail?
0: Yes, right? yes, absolutely. Okay, so this this is a beautiful tool. This is a tool, mm-hmm. uh, quantum mind power. Um it is backed by a, a heck of a lot of science, so how do we use this? What's the proper way to use it i'm I'm thinking we have to find that time and how long does it take? Um, tell us a little bit about that. Can we
1: sure. I,
0: I don't know if you could use it while you sleep. Do you have to be aware?
1: there's actually a bonus no, you don't at all Again, the frequency following okay. response and then the quarter. And then I didn't mention this, but there's also something called the cortical evoked response, which then is the response of the uppermost layer of the brain to the stimulation that you're giving it uh, okay. creates the entrainment. Uh, the truth is, here, I got something great for all of you. You're ever at a party and you want to really impress people. There's that classic line that says, if a tree falls in the woods
2: yeah. and no
1: one's there to hear it, does it make a noise? So Lorraine, answer the question if you, if you believe you have an answer.
0: I would say yes.
1: Okay, you're wrong. <laughs> now, now, I'll explain why I know and you'll, what you'll, the people you'll agree. We know,
0: they would say that it doesn't make a noise. So explain that. Okay.
1: I, I will explain that, but I first want to ask you, okay, now the same tree is falling in the woods, but you are there to hear it. So does it make a noise? Yes. No, it does not. <laughs> Now I will explain it to you, okay? I will explain it to you. Do you hear my voice? Yes. No, you don't. Okay. (laughs) You don't hear my voice. Hearing is a a way of explaining uh, internal brain and auditory nerve system that is easy for us to understand. You actually don't hear anything. Your brain reacts to vibration.
0: Okay. What's happening
1: is the speech on your phone or on your computer or on your car or, or whatever is recreating the vibrational frequency of my voice
2: mm-hmm. is
1: actually just a vibration, okay? So if the tree falls in the woods, it creates a vibration. If there is someone there or something there to experience that vibration, in other words, they have, an auditory nerve, they have an ear with a cochlea and all the other bones and everything, and everything was working properly and vibrates properly, then it will send those vibrations to the brain, where in the auditory cortex, it will actually get interpreted as sound, what we call sound.
0: Okay, okay.
1: okay? If you could, if we were in a room of 10 people, and we were all listening to me speak, and we had a way of recording what you heard, not my voice, you're not recording my voice now you're recording your brain's interpretation of what I heard or what I was saying. Each person's recording would be subtly different because the brain is interpreting and creating the sound in response to the stimulus, which is the vibration. So it's vibration. It's not that. So you don't actually have to be consciously aware. I even have some clients who have no hearing, but as long as they have connected tissue, That's all that's required because the vibration is what causes the entrainment, not, quote, unquote, sound. Because as I just explained, sound doesn't actually exist.
2: Okay. There's no such
1: thing as sound. So it's all vibration. So sometimes people will ask, and you asked how to use it, so I'll get into that now. We use stereo headphones. And Mm -hmm. I'll explain why stereo in a minute. Uh, A lot of people who know about binaural will think, oh, yeah, I know why we're using stereo, but you're wrong. (laughs) so i love that everybody's wrong Mm
2: -hmm. so
1: what what really happens is you use stereo headphones over the ear headphones because the vibrational surface the membrane if you will that's on the inside of the headphones is large and that large surface creates a stronger vibratory pulse more power if you will Uh uh-huh and that power creates a better entrainment I have people who've been using Apple Earpods or other forms of, uh, you know, earbuds mm-hmm. to actually listen to recordings, and they report often very little results. And then when I find out that they've been using these silly little Earpods, uh, again, I'm not bad mouthing Apple. I mean, all of the earbuds—they're good for music, but they're not good for this because, again, it's not about sound with entertainment. it's about vibration. So the larger the surface area vibrating, the more power is getting to the brain okay Okay. which creates and that's what creates entrainment so we use over the head earphones we listen lying down or sitting with our eyes closed and head support okay you see the comfort is very important eyes closed very important uh the sitting or lying down again we're trying to avoid using muscles because that use creates brainwave activity we're trying to minimize stimulation okay Mm -hmm. and What we do is we hit play and we just put on the headphones and we close our eyes and whatever happens, happens. If your mind races, let it race. If your mind goes blank, let it go blank. If things come into your consciousness, pay attention to them and and be grateful for them. One of the worst lessons I was ever taught when I was trying to learn meditation by 15 different masters was if you get a thought while you're meditating, because meditation, the goal is to quiet your mind. That is the biggest crock ever in the history of training for self-improvement, that the goal is to quiet your mind. When you are properly meditating, your mind will send you all kinds of messages, if it needs to. Sometimes a quiet mind will be the result, but other times you will get thoughts coursing through your brain. Other times they'll be bouncing all over the place. This is your brain's necessary way of doing things. They used to tell me, You know, say, I appreciate that you're there, thought, but now is my time to meditate. I will pay attention to you later. Thank you. You know, be very polite to it, but discard it. Biggest mistake you can make when you're meditating. When a thought comes to you when you're in a meditative state, that's a very important thought. Honor it not by saying, I'll think about you later, but honor it by smiling and saying, thank you for letting me know you're there. And then see what happens next, because that's what real meditation is. Real meditation isn't quietening your mind and floating three feet, you know, in the, you know, you know, in in the lotus position off the ground and, and, you know, all this other stuff. That's all Hollywood. That's not real effective meditation. The real effective meditation, you honor whatever comes to your thought, with not by ignoring it or telling it to go away, but by saying, thank you for being here. That's what you do. So anyway, you're lying down, your eyes are closed, comfortable volume, you're listening away, and you need to listen, for just to quantum mind power. There's a bunch of different recordings involved. Uh, it was one of my earlier works. It's a pilot. Uh, really, It's really a pilot system of mine, uh, fantastically effective. And what you do is you would pick the recording that most closely matches your taste, So, for instance, the two main recordings, which are Neural Synergy and Eden Energy Wave Dynamics, are both designed with different purposes in mind. But they have 12 different versions, two different stimulation tones, monaural and isochronic. Monaural is kind of like waves in water, nicely rounded up and down. Isochronic are more like bricks, so they're more startling. They're more sudden and Mm. on and off. The mm-hmm. isochronics are naturally stronger than the monorail, but what's more important than you thinking stronger is better is what sounds better to you is the one you use. Then I have different levels of each. So they're all the same frequency of the neural synergies and all of the Edens are the same too, but they have different tonal qualities. So some will be very low.
2: Others will be quite high.
1: So I can't even do a high voice, but it gives you an idea yeah. for the kind of tonal quality. So you would pick the tone that you like the best. If you don't have a preference, you can just rotate through them, it doesn't really matter. But if you have a preference, it's because your brain likes that one better, so you would go for that. So neural synergy works to help create new neural pathways. The more complex the brain is, the easier it operates. You can look at it as you would a map. Let's say, Lorraine, I invite you to my cottage. And I say, take Highway 1 to Highway 2 to Highway 3 to Highway 4 to Highway 5, and then I'm the last cottage on the right. And you go, oh, that's simple. That's beautiful. Well, you take Highway 1 to Highway 2 to Highway 3, but then Highway 4 is closed. Now you're stuck. You don't know what to do. What neural synergy helps to do is to give alternate routes. Again, the more complex the brain is, the more neural pathways there are, the more chances of solutions, of thought processes, of efficiency. So neural synergy is like giving you the ability. Now, instead of me giving you directions, I give you a map. And the map says, okay, well, this road's closed. I can turn left here and circle around to Highway 4. Right? Mm -hmm. You're all set. It's nice and easy. Even energy wave dynamics is the next main recording. So that one is very important because – It helps to quiet the negative self-speak, or as I call it, the negative reflexive thought process. What it does is it entrains the left hemisphere of your brain to a different frequency than the right. The way perception works with sound is that sound that goes in your left ear goes to the right hemisphere. Sound that goes in the right ear goes to the left hemisphere. That's how it works. That's how perception works. So I send different signals into each ear, so I entrain the hemispheres to separate and distinct frequencies. Believe it or not, there's a lot of talk in the entrainment field now about synchronicity, hemispheric synchronicity, and how wonderful that is and how important that is. And it's nice. There's no question. But in real-world events, it's very rare that your brain needs to be in a whole frequency range, where the right and the left are tuned to the same frequency. In more cases than not, you need to be able to have the separation of the hemispheres and having them allowed to work together but not be exactly the same frequencies. So even energy has the unique ability of quietening the monkey mind if you have the racing mind, if you're freaking out about stuff, if you're worried about stuff. There was a period a number of years ago where I had two cancer scares at the same time, one in my brain and one in a private area down in the nether region. And I was waiting on results for two and a half months
0: wow, that's
1: from both.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I went out, I was laughing and I was having fun and I was doing everything. And I listened to the Eden Energy recording three times a day. Okay, now then there's uh, supplemental recordings that include my voice in it. There's the Emotive Brainwave Hypnosis, which is a guided hypnosis with brainwave entrainment designed to help people to normalize their emotional states. So you don't go too high, you don't go too low, you don't have those crashes. Things are more stable, you can get very happy, but when you come back to normal, it's a nice gentle progression down to normal. It helps you with that. The frequency is designed for that. The spoken word aspect is designed for that. There's another recording called the whole brain gratitude meditation. Again, another brainwave frequency designed to allow your brain to take in what is being said. And it talks about why you need to be grateful and how to be grateful and why gratitude is so important. And it teaches you. Gratitude. As a matter of fact, and this is quite problematic for some of my customers, but I actually say that one of the most important things to be grateful for are the trials and the, and the people in our lives and the things in our lives that give us the most struggle and the most problems, because those are the things that teach us the most. You know, all the pain that I felt in my life, both emotional and physical from all my injuries, from all my mental pain, I am so grateful for all of it. Because without it, I would not be who I am now. And I am so happy with who I am now. Don't get me wrong. That doesn't yeah. mean I don't have a long time to grow and a lot of stuff to grow into. <laughs> I could look to be a million and I still wouldn't be close, okay? But that being said, I, from where I came from, I am so happy to be where I am. And the only reason why I am here is because of all the struggle and all the pain and all the crying and all of that. That is the biggest thing I'm grateful for. And that's one of the things I really tried to get across in that. Then I have, we call them bonuses, but they're actually included right in the system. Specifically, it's the Schumann resonance meditation. Some of you may have heard of the Schumann resonance. It's the magnetic frequency of the ionosphere that surrounds mm-hmm. our planet. Yeah. And it's been roughly stable for our entire evolutionary process while we've been on this planet. Uh, it's very grounding. I'm sure you can imagine as the human race has developed under this umbrella that it's a very grounding frequency. It's a very soothing frequency. It's actually been associated uh, by Norman Shealy to help with the, I think, with growth hormone, HGH, and even uh, sexual hormones as well. And then there's another program I have that is part of the main system, again, kind of called a bonus, which is called Good Night Sleep Well. Most of us don't have a clue how important sleep is to your overall state of mind and physical health as well. And good night sleep well leads you through the first half of the first healthy adult sleep cycle. And then your brain takes over from there. So people would use that recording every night when they sleep over a speaker and it would be very quiet and it just slowly and gently guides you into the first healthy adult sleep cycle. And with time, it's not a sleeping pill. But with time, it allows your brain to retrain itself into a healthy sleep cycle. The way you can tell without spending thousands of dollars on a sleep study, if you're getting good sleep, is when you wake up in the morning, do you wake up and within 30 seconds to a minute feel awake, alert, ready to go? If you need that coffee, if you need that cigarette, if you need that shower to get going in the morning, that's a sign you're not getting good sleep. Mm.
2: So mm-hmm. good night's
1: sleep well, healthy. you There's a whole slew of bonuses, et cetera. But basically, you listen to Good Night Sleep Well at Night. You listen to either Neural Synergy or Eden Energy, depending on where you feel your needs are. Or you can rotate them on alternate days every day. And then on alternate days, you would listen to the Whole Brain Gratitude and then the Emotive Brain Wave Hypnosis. Basically – I don't count the listening good night's sleep well, because you're not really paying attention when you're listening. You don't have to find time during the day. You're basically ready to go to sleep. You hit play, you lie down, it plays over a speaker. So you're listening about half an hour one day, then an hour in two half-hour segments the next day. Now, that is what I would call my minimal listening instructions for the average person who just wants to see what can happen. That They listen like that for at least a month or two until they get to where they want to be, and then they can cut their listening down slowly to what I call a maintenance dose. Many people listen maybe once or twice a week after that to maintain their results. If you have more serious issues, like, for instance, what I had, at my peak in my depression when I was listening, I was listening between three to five hours every day.
2: Mm. Now, that's
1: obviously unseasonable for most people, but Mm -hmm. if you're suffering like I am, And you're, and you're debilitated, so you can't work, you can't do anything. Then you have to gauge for yourself what you want to accomplish, how much you want to accomplish, how severe are the issues you're dealing with. You know, there's a lot of things that go with, go hand in hand with whatever issues we have. And we all, again, we're all our own gurus. So you have to trust your instincts. You are a scientist. You're trying a technology you've never tried before. So you try it and you test it and you take notes. You keep a, you keep a journal. And you read back through your notes. You learn about yourself. It's amazing how much power you truly have. You know, no matter how off you may think you are, you're better than you think you are. You 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 do everything. It's just a matter of turning left instead of turning right, going straight instead of turning left. You know, do things differently, and you are bound to get different results. Being on a call like this, being on a system like this where you get so many interesting people to hear their views and to hear their, you know, to hear their beliefs and their experiences. It's an incredible tool for you to be able to use all of these people's ideas and concepts and see what resonates with you. And then again, once you find something resonating, don't just accept them or me at our word because we can only talk within our own experience. If it resonates with you, it touching you in some way, then you interpret it within your own experience. And that's when you act on that interpretation. That's when you will get your benefits. And that's when you will see your life change.
0: Beautiful. And, and that becomes our truth because we've done it ourselves. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Well, a beautiful tool here using um, the technology of this is a, an unusual part of sound healing because it's vibrational, healing. It's, cha- it's literally changing the neuropathways in our brains, and that mm-hmm. is beautiful. So there is a question, could this be done in the wrong way? Could it be harmful in any way?
2: Okay.
1: If you listen at too loud a volume, just like listening to rock music too loud, you can hurt your hearing.
2: Okay, okay? sure. So
1: that's a, phys- that's a physical issue. Now, the other thing is, this technology, when it's properly designed and used, can actually bring up repressed or otherwise undealt with issues. That's a good thing. Yes. Okay? Mm -hmm. It's a good thing. But if you're not if you're not prepared for it, it can be quite painful and quite harsh. So what you do is I suggest for anyone who even suspects they have an issue to listen at a very, very quiet volume. Volume kind of works like a uh a gas pedal, if you will. So the harder you push on the gas, the louder the volume, the stronger the program can be but at that same time if you draw it back if you listen at kind of like barely a whisper to start with then if you have a problem that is buried and repressed now that doesn't mean you don't remember it it means when you talk about it or think about it it makes you anxious nervous upset angry sad that's something you know you know when you heard me talking about my depression right when you when you heard me talking about my depression did you hear me like sounding like I was still dealing with it. I I was just saying it like I was making it up. And that's because I've dealt with it. It isn't repressed. It's not there anymore. I can talk Uh easily about all the pain I've had. I can talk easily about the psychological agony that I went through because I've dealt with it. But if you have a situation where somebody brings something up to you and it pushes your button, that's a sign you haven't dealt with it and it's repressed. So again, this technology can bring that rushing to the surface. So if you think you might have something like that going on, uh, some blank spots in your childhood that might have been the result of burying, say, sexual misconduct or mental misconduct that was done against you, then listen at a very, very quiet volume and make sure there's someone available to you who you can talk to if something does come up to help you to work through it. Okay. Now, if you don't know that you've got something repressed and you just suddenly start feeling very anxious or you feel like crying all the time or or anything like that, then take a few days off till you go back to what you would call your normal. After that, when you decide to listen again, listen very, very quietly. And I'm talking barely audibly. Okay? Anything okay. you have that's buried will come up much slower and it's much easier than a rush. It's kind of like Try to fill a glass full when you have the water on full blast. It's going to splash and go everywhere. But if you fill a glass full and you have the water pouring out very slowly, it's easy. It's the same thing with your repressed issues. If we stimulate them to get out of you, to remove the poison quickly, that can give you, they call it a hexamer effect. When you're doing a cleanse, right? All the bacteria and germs and viruses die off all at once. And when they die off, they break apart, and all of their acids and all of their poisons get released into your body at once, and that's called the Herxheimer effect. It's like a sudden, you get bad before you get better.
2: Oh, like a healing crisis. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, But with, with entrainment, you don't necessarily have to suffer through that. So you can actually, if you feel yourself getting unstable or emotionally upset or distraught, you can just stop listening for a few days. Let yourself go back to whatever your normal is. When you start listening again, you can listen very, very, very quietly. And even if that's too much, you can listen while you're playing a game or reading the newspaper on your computer. Listen while distracted then. And eventually, whatever is there will come up because that takes power away from my recordings. And that's a good thing if you're being overwhelmed, but you also feel like they're helping you. Because it's a sad thing when you go, oh, my God, I really feel like this is helping, but it's causing me such agony. I don't know if I can deal with the agony to help myself, right? And then we avoid it, and we don't do what we need to do. So with this, you can lower the volume so low that you barely hear it. The stimulation is so quiet that the effect is so subtle that now when stuff comes up, it comes up very, very weakly, and it doesn't slap you in the face like it did before. And often I've had people tell me that they just suddenly realized they're not sad anymore. I don't understand when it went away, it just was gone. They just kind of realized "Hmm, I'm not sad anymore or I'm not this anymore or I'm not that anymore. And it's because we've been taught to pay attention to negative things and we don't really pay attention to good things. Yes, So right. this technology kind of makes you notice the good thing because it's an unusual feeling. and And a lot of people are afraid of it at first. Because they've never felt that way. When I first started doing the entrainment that was helping me, and I had these thousands of voices that I was telling you about, I was terrified the first time I had 20 minutes of silence. Yeah. Absolutely terrified. When the voices started coming back, I almost felt comfortable again. But then I realized the power of the mind and the power of all this, and I thought, okay. So you see, my techniques have been developed not just on my observations of other people, but I test everything on myself thoroughly first to make sure it's not going to cause damage.
0: Okay, beautiful. Yeah, well, great tips on that. So we would just lower the volume. It really mm-hmm. does deal with the subconscious, and those are things that come and sabotage us along our path, right, from our dream, mm-hmm. whether it be fear. So, you know, you were saying that this really, I mean, it, it just brings about a, an extreme awareness of issues or, or those trigger points. And so I would recommend people journal as well to kind of help Great get time. out yeah. that um you know, that energy of what could be coming up, and then they could go back and And review
1: that. That's the best part of it right there. Most people who journal never read what they wrote. (laughs) It's true. It's true. What you need to do is at least once a week sit down and read your journal. And, And once your journal gets really big or you end up with 15 journals, just randomly pick one, open it up at a page, and read five or six pages of it. You will learn so much about yourself. You will feel like you're reading somebody else's diary. That's Mm -hmm. how much you will learn about yourself because it won't even feel like you are reading yourself. And that's when you learn. Journaling is one of the most powerful ways to learn about yourself, but you have to read it after. It's not enough just to write it down.
0: Yeah, and that's that's really where it, it helps you see the transformation too. Uh, how we could have Mm -hmm. exploded issues and certain things as well. Well, this does a lot to really quiet the monkey mind. You know, when Mm -hmm. when we were talking about meditation earlier, I think they're talking about quieting that monkey mind. And it would even take us, if it's such a deep awareness of ourself, and it it really is a connection to the quantum mind, to the higher mind, to that Mm -hmm. which we are. And I would even say this is, this allows us to get into the multidimensionality of our mind.
1: You know what, it, you're, you're 100% right, but it's interesting because what it does is it does all of that and more by bringing you back into your natural state because that, that is the human's natural state. The original, natural state is to be happy. Yes. Yes, the natural original state is to be happy. That's why happy feels good. Because it's supposed to give us incentive. to want to feel that way all the time. So happiness feels good because that's what we're supposed to feel. We feel happy. We think. We, we see things. We see solutions. Things happen. Instead of being worried, oh, my God, what am I going to do? You go, okay, this is here. I will learn what I need to learn, and then a solution will happen, will come to me. Everything will be fine. You know, uh, the way we think. People ask me, well, Maury, how do you, if everything's fine and everything's for the good and blah, 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 how do you explain people who get deadly diseases? How do you explain people like kids who are barely a year old or dying from from horrible things? Uh, how do you explain someone who's, you know, a, a wonderful husband or wife or son who's driving home one day and gets killed in a car accident? How do you explain any of that? Like, how does what you say go along with any of that? And I find it easy to explain that because, you know what, I'm 56 years old now it feels like yesterday when I was 16 and you know what? It's going to feel like yesterday when I'm 86 and that's life. We are not here for a long time. We're here for a time and whatever is going to happen next, if there is anything or not, it doesn't even matter. The point is because there is a perceived physical ending that gives you or should give you even more reason not to dwell on the whys and the what-fors and instead to get the knowledge out of it. The energy that made up that small child or made up the husband or made up the wife or made up the child, made up the person who is no longer with us, okay? Einstein proved energy cannot be destroyed. It can only be changed. When you live, most of us who live don't live in the same place our entire lives we pack up and we move and we go this place, we go to that place. I myself have moved maybe a dozen times in my life so far. And I'll probably move another two or three times before it's all said and done. But Mm -hmm. I think that simulates what we call the end. It's just your energy getting up and going somewhere else. That's all. You know, wouldn't the ultimate hilarity be we all struggle to keep life. We all struggle to stay alive. And then when we're not, to go, hmm, I wonder why I fought so hard. Mm -hmm. You know, we just don't have every understanding. This is my point. And just because we don't understand is not an excuse to think the worst. What's wrong with thinking the best? How does that hurt? Instead of thinking that this is everything and it's sad when something happens, you know what, it's not sad for the person, it's sad for those left behind. We are energy, your energy, I'm energy. Every single person listening to this live is energy. Every single person who will listen to this as a recording is energy. This recording itself is energy. Everything is energy. I am here to tell you, as the scientist, energy can never, ever be destroyed. Your physical body is nothing more than a robot structure. It's not metal and wires. It's flesh and bone and blood, Okay. It's energy. Think about it. When we create energy here, we have water running through turbines. We have air running through turbines. We burn coal. We burn fuel. It creates energy. The human body doesn't create energy. It has energy within it. That energy isn't being produced. It's just there. If it's not being produced, that means it's not being used up, which means it's the same energy probably that was there when we were little kids. Now, I'm conjecturing here, but again, this is a logical conjecture. So if this energy is us, really, because essentially our bodies, like I said, they're just constructs that house us for now, much like my apartment houses me or your house houses you for the time being, when this house can't house me anymore, I move. Mm
2: -hmm. You
1: move. We all move. There's nothing to be afraid of there. We just move. Moving is a new beginning. It's almost exciting. I'm not saying rush to it, but when it comes, I think there's a reason why most people, when it comes, are smiling. They know something we don't know. Yes, yes. That's my opinion, but it takes away the stress, it takes away the fear.
0: And that's a beautiful thing. And, boy, do we need a world like that now more than ever. It's really time for each individual to be aware of this on a deeper, deeper level. And I love the work that you present on our planet because it truly, on a scientific level and a very practical level and a very real, tangible level, it is doing tremendous work and helping people think the best about their lives. So that is such a good thing, and I do commend you for it. So quantum mind power, it is your program. It is your beautiful recordings with the brain tones. Again, there's lots that go into these recordings, even some hypnotic, um, you know, hypnotic uh, strategies. You, you mentioned yeah. the background noise as well, and for those who are really ready to get over any more of these subconscious blocks, we invite you to check out the special offer that is available. Do you want to add anything more about that, Maury?
1: I would just like to, you know, if I, if this is like a final thought, I would just like to express to everyone that happiness for whatever that is for you, because I understand happiness for me might not be what it is for you, but happiness for you is a choice. When you choose to be happy, you will see things to be happy about. You will find things that will help you to feel happy. When you don't think it's a choice, when you think it's imposed upon you by government or by anything else, uh, any kind of authoritative figure, then you are giving away your power. And there's nothing worse in the world than giving away your power because you are the expert at wielding this power for you and I just want you to remember that happiness is a real choice and it truly is and I encourage all of you to choose to be happy
0: thank you thank you thank you Maury Zelkovich this has been a very interesting dynamic quantum conversation with you we thank you again for the beautiful work again you've used this in your own life and you've touched tens of thousands of lives and you've received a lot of accolades along the way. Thank you for this quantum conversation.
1: Thank you very much for having me, and everybody out there, thank you for being there, too. I feel all of your energy, and it's just wonderful. Thanks so much.
0: (laughs) And we are feeling happy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Great. Great. Again, if you're interested in Maury's special offer, please check it out on the special offer button. And so now as we conclude our program, it's time to dance and move that energy that we are. Have fun as we know we are in love.